Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and um, verse 18. And, and when I share this word, I'm thinking, obviously I'm thinking that the Lord is here. I always feel that. And I want to share, how would I share if the Lord's watching? He's just standing there watching me share His word to His bride, to His people. And I say that reverently because that's how I feel the, the, the fear of the Lord is on me. That, that honor to the King. That he allows me to share his word to his people. Um, I also want to stand before we start is, you know, uh, the church has been extreme. You people, you, you are the church. This church family has been extremely generous. Extremely generous. So, like, we haven't, this is the heart for the house Sunday, but people have already given uh, generously. So, if you've already given, I just want to say amen and thank you so much because I, I feel God saying, and I've learned some things over the years when we first Many, many years ago, whenever we would, you know, trust God for something and we, we need to maybe fix a building up or something, I'd always, my faith went for just enough. My faith would go for just what we need. And I realized whenever we did that, we got what we needed. We just got what we needed. So then the Lord said, Leo, you get what you have faith for. So if you have faith for just getting enough for what you need, you'll get exactly what you have faith for. And the Lord said, have faith for abundance. Because God is a God of abundance. It's, it's where you focus your faith. And sometimes it's unconscious. You just unconsciously, I know there was some mindsets in my mind that I just had, I just, well, God, this is what we need, so that's what I went for. That's what I have faith for. But God is saying, believe, and this is what you should do in your personal life. Believe for more than enough. Yeah. Believe that you're serving a God of more than enough. Yeah. One of his names is El Shaddai, and they say it's, it means the God of more than enough. God of abundance. Some people say in the Hebrew, it's a multi-breasted one. That it, 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 it multiplies, he, he supplies your needs. You know, he, he's like that. And in, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, we've got to remember this. It says, but you shall, you shall remember the Lord your God. And he's talking about prosperity and God blessing us. He says, and when God does bless you, make sure you remember the Lord your God. Remember where you've come from. Remember where you, where you could have been without him. I think about me and I think, Lord, I know where I would have been without you. I would have been a mess. I would have been a train wreck ready to happen. A hundred percent. It's like, not, I wonder if I would have worked out okay. I know I was on my way to smashing my life to, to, to destruction. At the age of 19, I got saved. And I'd never clued about life. I didn't know how to live life. But the Lord has taught me and our family on how to do life His way. I'm so grateful for that. So that anything He ever does in us, through us, to us, I say, Lord, it's all you. We've got to have that heart all the time. It says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the ability or the power to get wealth. It is He who gives you the ability to get wealth. So wealth, there's nothing wrong with wealth. If something's wrong with wealth, then God shouldn't give you the ability to get wealth. Some, you know, some Christians have still got a problem with, with, with wealth. And when I think of wealth, I think of everything in every area of our life. Not just physical, not just finances, not just money. I think of a wealthy man, a prosperous man, is someone who's had a good marriage, beautiful children, amazing relationship with their kids. You know, they've got peace of mind. They've got the presence of God. It's no use you having all the money in the world and you don't have the presence of God and you're full of fear and anxiety. That's not a prosperous man. To me, it means health in your body. Joy in your heart. Knowing where you're going. 
Security about heaven, knowing that I'm not afraid of dying. This, this means, to me, prosperity means everything. Okay, it's not just financial. Financial part of our, our prosperity is a very small part of prosperity. Okay, it's the prosperous soul, you know, that shall prosper. And, 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 and so, that's, that's in First John. It says, you know, um, how does it go again, guys? It's not coming to me. Do you remember it? Who remembers this? First John, no, Third John. Above all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Above all things, I, I pray that you be in health. No, I, pray, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Your soul has to prosper before you prosper, physically. So your soul prospers. And so this message is really about having a healthy soul, a healthy heart, a healthy um, relationship between you and God, because a healthy person is a generous person. And we, we really are. If we're going to be healthy, we're going to be generous. And he goes, it is he who gives you the power, the ability to get wealth. What for though? So that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto his fathers. What's the purpose of God blessing you with wealth is to establish his covenant on the earth. There is a purpose. Yes, we, we, we get to enjoy the wealth 100%. God's a good father. But it's also to, to actually reach out and preach this gospel, to establish this gospel, bring his kingdom on the earth, set captives free, get people healed, get people saved and so on. Genesis 8 verse 22, I just want to remind us, this is in your Bible, while the earth remains, is the earth remaining? Still here, yeah? It hasn't burnt up or anything. While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now that was something that was put into this earth. I believe it was after Noah's flood. Season started to happen. We won't go into that, but he, he, he says, uh, as the earth remains, as, uh, as a principle in the earth, seed, time, then harvest. You put a seed in the ground, and then you wait some time, it will produce a harvest. It will produce fruit with many seeds in it. So just picture that. When we think of giving, don't just think of, I give, think of sowing. So when you think, think of, think of the concept of a, a sower, that you sowed a seed. Because if you think as a giving, you say, I gave. And I, already, I, already, I, already, I have already given. And we see it as just, I gave already, rather than a sower. So when a person sows, if I'm a farmer and I've got a bag full of seeds and I have to f- sow, what am I sowing for? For next year's crop. So when I sow, I'm letting go of the seed. I'm giving the seed, but I'm really sowing the seed. I'm not, I don't think of lack. I think of increase. When I'm sowing, I'm thinking of increase. I'm sowing I'm thinking of increase. Well, it's going to go into the ground. It's going to produce fruit. And I'm going to eat the fruit thereof. It'll produce for me. Like we have to think like that. Or else we're going to be out of fear. We're going to be full of fear and gripped by unbelief and fear whenever, we, whenever God asks us to sow. Because it's a sowing principle. I do believe this spiritual law is in the universe. The sowing and reaping principle. It's throughout the whole Bible. Galatians chapter 6 says, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to your flesh, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. God cannot be mocked. You can't mock God. It means you can't blame God for what your life is about. Because a man reaps what he sows. I mean, that, that's, that scripture alone should blow our brains and go, what? I'm reaping what I sow. I'm living, I'm reaping everything I've ever sown in my past. Can't blame God about it. I'm reaping what I've sown. My attitude, my thoughts. My lack of love, my neglect, my rejection of others, whatever. Everything I've ever sown, I'm living in the harvest of it. Do you believe that? 
Because it is the word of God. It might, you might not be able to say amen, but at least say oh me. <laughs> Sometimes it hurts. You know, so, oh, it's so true. Okay. I wanted to make excuses and blame God and you know, the, the lot I've got and the husband I've got, the wife I've got and the children I've got and you don't know my job. And like, but God says, God cannot be mocked. Man or a woman reaps what he sows. That's good news. It's actually good news when you believe it. You know why it's good news? You have the power to change it. You have the free will to change what you sow. So it's good news. Don't say, oh, no, everything I've ever done is bad bad for me. But you can sow good seeds. Change your heart by repentance. You change your own heart through repentance. Say, God, I repent. I I, I want to think like you. Get into the Word. Let the Word change your thinking. Amen. This is in the Bible, okay? I'm just going to show you scriptures from the Bible to just show us what God says about this principle. Proverbs 11 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases all the more. I mean, that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? There's one who scatters, yet he increases more and more. It's a picture of a sower. He's scattering seed, but, he's, but, but yet he increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, yet it results in want, in lack. He's holding back, he's stingy, greedy, and, it's, and it results in lack for him, right? Proverbs 11, verse 25, the generous man or woman will be prosperous. Who's going to be prosperous? The generous man or woman, right? And he who waters others will himself be watered. There's that principle again. If you, if you live your life to water others, you yourself will be watered. It's that walking in love. It's laying, if you lay down your life, you will find it. That's what Jesus says. But he who seeks to find it, he loses it. It's the principle of the world. It's a principle that God, it's a kingdom principle, but it's in this principle of the world, the way we live. So if you don't believe in God, you're still living this principle. Does that make sense? Because you reap what you sow. Um, look at this. It says, he who, uh, Proverbs 22.9, He who is generous will be blessed, he, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs 8, 28, 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. There's that principle of, again, taking care of others. He who gives to the poor will not lack. Look, we look into the, the life of Cornelius in the book of Acts. If you, have a, if you turn to Acts chapter 10, and we look at his generous lifestyle. He was a generous person. Let's look what happened to him. It's found in verse 1 of chapter uh, 10 of Acts. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. A centurion means he, a century is a hundred. He was taking, he's in charge of a hundred soldiers. That means he's a well-paid captain of some sort in the Roman Empire. Like, he's a leader, and he's quite wealthy, okay? Um, a, a devout, he's a devout man, devout man, sorry, and one who feared God with all his household. So not just him, his wife, his children, they all feared God, and gave many alms to the Jewish people or to the people and prayed to God continually. So two things he did really well. He gave alms. The word alms is he gave compassionately to those that are in need. That's what it means when you look it up. He gave compassionately to those in need, those that are worse off than him, right? And he prayed continually. Prayed continually, gave continually. Prayed continually, gave continually. Devote to God, feared the Lord. He's an Italian man. He's not a Jew, but he's, he's loving God, right? And, and he's, I probably believe the, the Jewish, like he's in Jewish uh, city or Jewish nation, and he's been generous all the time. Look what happens here. About the ninth hour of the day, this is three, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 
he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his eyes or his gaze on him, being much alarmed, that means he's freaking out, probably shaking full of fear. And he, and he says, this is, and he goes, what is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. An angel gives a message to him and says, your prayers, lifestyle of prayer, lifestyle of generosity, has ascended before God. It's like, I picture God the Father on his throne, and, and God the Father has millions upon millions upon saints there, millions, hundreds and hundreds of thousand times, a hundred thousand saints that are worshiping him. And probably talking to the Father, fellowship with the Father. There's people on the city, this, I mean the earth. There's about 7 billion people on this planet probably crying out to God. God hears all that, listens to all that. God's God, He can do all this. You know, and they say there's so much happening in activity of the God the Father. But this, is, this act of kindness, act of generosity, act of helping the poor and prayers is going up to God as a memorial. He's coming to God's memory. It's like getting God's attention. Your giving affects God, God's heart. In Philippians, it says our giving is like a sweet-smelling Savior before God. It actually goes before God and it touches His heart. You might not think that you're, you're that important to affect God, but you do affect God. You do get His eye. You do get noticed. And every time we pray and every time we're generous, a Father sees it. We get his attention. It, it, it was brought to his memory to the point that God the Father must have acted. It made him act and go, he calls him one of his angels. It doesn't say who he was. We don't know if he's Gabriel or Michael or any of you know some of the names. But this one, it just says an angel appeared. So God must have said, angel, go to this Cornelius guy. So I keep seeing what he's doing. He's reacting, responding, brought attention to his giving. And an angelic being, so our giving releases acti angel activity. As Zena was saying, it releases the presence of God. When I look at the harvest of what his giving got him, guess what it was? If you know the story, basically the angel says, you need to go call Peter. Peter's staying at Simon the Tanner's place. It's at such and such address near the water. Go call him because he's going to give you words that you need to hear to be saved. To cut a long story short, it all happens. A vision goes to Peter and Peter goes, follows these people. He brings some Jewish people, goes to Cornelius' house in response to what the angel told him to do. And um, Cornelius at that stage got all his relatives, his uncles, aunties, cousins, grandchildren, if he had some, grandparents. I mean, I think it was packed with relatives in his home, big home. And, and they're filled waiting. And when Peter walks in with some of the Jews, Cornelius drops on his knees to worship him. That's how much respect and honor he has. And no, no, Peter says, don't worship me. I'm a man just like you. Stops him from that because it's wrong. And then Peter in a nutshell, shares the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus died on the cross. He starts preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus. And as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit came and filled every single one of the relatives, every single one in his household. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the harvest of his generosity. So when you give, you don't just receive physically. You do, but that's not just what you receive. You receive blessings, the presence, the glory, the Holy Spirit filled on all of them. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the cross, was the Holy Spirit can come on you. But it made God react because of his generosity. Can you see that? what well, God did? God did this because he saw the generosity of his people. It connected him to the spiritual realm. And, and he got blessed spiritually. When I first was a baby Christian, and I was learning all these principles, because we're going to read in um, Acts, if you go to Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Acts, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, excuse me. And you're going to read things like, 
Um, talking about giving, and the, 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 the context of this whole chapter is giving. Do you know your Bible? It's all about giving. Paul's encouraging him to give to other churches that are in need. And they said they were going to give a year ago. And he says, now do what you said you would do. Because I, basically Paul's saying, I boasted to everybody else about your giving. So now that it's come, like, you know, he start giving. And, and then he says this, in the context of that, verse 6, he says, now this I say though, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully or generously will also reap generously. So he's saying in the context of giving, again, remember the context of giving is sowing. Always remember this. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. What is he trying to say? I mean, if I said to you, who likes to, I mean, if you had a choice to reap um, sparingly in your life or to reap, I'm talking about lifestyle reaping, lifestyle reaping sparingly or lifestyle reaping generously, who would like to reap generously and bountifully? Seriously, let's be honest. I would rather be living a life that I'm constantly reaping generously and bountifully into my life, in every area, not just finances, every area, but I want to reap bountifully. How does that happen? I can kickstart that by my sowing generously. If I sow sparingly, stingily, greedily, fearfully, unbelief, and I just sow little bits and just stay stingy in that, guess what? I will reap a lifestyle of that coming back to me. That's how it's just, it's amazing that God uses our measure that we choose. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, what did Jesus say? He goes, judge not lest you be judged. I don't want to be judged. I got a revelation when I was a baby Christian. If I stop judging others, because if you said to me, would you like to be judged? I don't want to be judged by others. I don't want people to be critical over me all the time everywhere I go. He goes, then don't be critical over them. He goes, you, want, you want to stop judgment in your life? Stop being judge, judgmental. So I stopped, being, I stopped sowing judgmental thoughts and stop judgmental attitudes and judgmental statements and, and, and condemnation. Same. If you want to, do, who wants to be condemned? No one. Yes. Condemn not, lest you be condemned. Judge not and you won't be judged. Give. Of what? Of everything. Of attitude. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your, to, to your bosom. With a measure. The same. This is Jesus' words. The same measure you use to give will be measured back to you. We think God chooses it. God's watching. He's watching you choose it. He watched Cornelius' measure of how generous he was and blessed him. When I was a baby Christian, when I first started to give and I started to realize these principles, I realized, wow, I've got to learn to be generous. I'm not generous. I was taught in the world, get, 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 receive, receive, save, save, save. Think of you. Think of number one because if no one else is going to think about you, you take care of you and number one. That's how I was taught. That was my mindset. That was my belief system. And the Word was teaching me the opposite. Learn to be generous. Learn to give. Learn to think of others. It's not easy to change your psychic and your mindset and your thought life. But I was starting to do it. And when I did do it as a baby Christian, usually I gave. I would usually look for the return physically. If I gave a 1000 I want to see where it's going to come back. If I gave, I started with $15, by the way. So I started with 15 and actually five minutes later, I got 25 Wow. That was the first time ever. It works. God does that with baby Christians. And I say that. It's a baby Christian mindset. And I don't live like that anymore. I haven't lived like that for decades. Where I would give and always want to see, where, I would see God's word work. God's word always works. I don't try to put it together anymore because God blesses me in every single way, doesn't he? He blesses you. I might give financially and receive his, the Holy Spirit like we saw Cornelius. I might, see, I might receive freedom. I might receive the joy of the Lord, the peace of mind. You know, there's so many things you can receive in abundance to our giving. And so 
I learned not to do that. Now, when we were first baby Christians, we did give, and we, we were stretched. And one time we, you know, I, I, I said to the Lord, we had to give to the church. And I remember I said to Christine, what should we give? And I, and I was thinking about $1,000 to give. And, and so Christine said, oh, let's, that was $1,000 really stretched her thinking. And our, our wages is really, really low in those days. We're talking about 30 years ago. It's a long time ago. And, and um, Christine said, let's do 500 this week, um, this month, and 500 the next month. I said, okay, at least we're still giving $1,000. So then we, we gave the $1,000. Our wage at that point was like 240 or 350 around there. And, uh, and so we gave, we stretched ourselves. Someone rings her up and says, can I take you out for coffee? And in an envelope, they blessed her over coffee, $1,000 cash. That came in about, at that point, around that time, about three or $4,000 in the same manner. Like people gave us cash. And all, this works, this works. Now, I want, to, I want to say, this is how I was as a baby Christian, but I want to say this, that we don't give to get. I'm trying to say that we give out of a generosity because we know as a sower, it leaves my hand, but it never leaves my life. Giving is not, if I give, I think I'm never going to see it again. But when I give, I'm sowing. I'm planting a seed. Now, I don't know how it's going to come back, but I know it's going to come back. And it'll come back in many different ways, not just financially. Does that make sense? But I want to get rid of fear because I believe the word. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall give into you. The measure you use will be measured back to you. You can't now give God. If I sow sparingly, I will reap sparingly. If I sow generously, guess what? I'm going to reap generously. Now that's just, the, I want us to understand that out of the revelation of life. This is how we should live our life. Um, and it says this in verse 7. And each one must do just as he proposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Please, guys, don't ever give out of necessity. Give out of obedience to God's voice. Don't give out of the fact that we're asking you to give, but you don't feel that it's for God. If you trust us and you believe this is for God and His purpose to buy this building, we're going to use it to disciple people and get people saved, and you, you're giving it for God, absolutely. But do it with a cheerfulness. Do it with a heart of joy. Amen? Because God loves a cheerful giver. That means He doesn't like it when you give grudgingly. Oh, do we have to give? Oh, he's talking about money. Why do we have to get this building? Well, because we were kicked out of this one. Not kicked out. Not kicked out. Sorry if anyone's watching. We didn't get kicked out. We, we would have liked to stay. That's, that's my side. They did well for us. You know, just so you know. The owners took care of us, okay? Bless you guys. <laughs> and I mean that. They did. We, we did not get kicked out. Um, but because we couldn't afford what they, this should be paying, getting paid for, What's fair for this price? God blessed us with an amazing building. And trust me, that home, that building will be a home straight away. Trust us. And some of you haven't seen it. Uh, about 90 to 100 people have actually seen it inside and everything. And that, just you know, so excited. But it, it, will feel, it will feel home straight away. If, if it's an extra five minutes for you, 10 minutes, trust me, we're family. We do it because of family. It is much closer to a lot of people too. So it might be you an extra five minutes or 10 minutes. But others, it's closer. Amen. And it says, it says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Think about, this is the God of the universe. This is the God that runs the universe. God's able to make all grace abound towards us. That, so that always having all sufficiency, always having all sufficiency in everything. Now, I, 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 I don't know if I can honestly say that I'm at that place yet. I've been doing this for 30-something years, like the kingdom living. And doing it God's way. And I'm, I'm believing for that. That I always, always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance in every good, in every good deed. 
I don't know if I've got abundance in every good deed. I probably, probably have something always to give, but I probably couldn't say I have abundance to give all the time. What a lifestyle of generosity. It just keeps pouring in because you keep pouring it out. And so God can trust you. He will bring it to you because he can get it through you. It's this attitude of the heart. And in verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Who's that he? It's God. God supplies seed to the sower. Remember, we're talking about the concept of sowing. So if you think, I don't have anything. Well, just become a sower and he provides seed for you. Just have an attitude of sowing and God will bring the seed. So if you don't have it, you can say, God, I want to sow. I want to give. Lord, can you give me something to give? And he'll bring it. I just believe he's almighty and all-powerful and he can do it. And I was saying this earlier, that the principle is we're, we're, we're in a season of history-making moment for our church. We really are. We're in the season of it right now. Like, this is how it is, and, and please hear my heart. The Red Sea has already started to break open. We're already walking through it. So the miracle has already begun. We're already re- rejoicing and celebrating because we know, and I know, that there's going to be more than enough coming in. Because of our generosity, because of our obedience to God. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, you read it, uh, their giving resulted in thanksgiving to God and glorifying God. Because of your generosity, it says others are praising and thanking God. So already, because of your generosity, I'm praising and thanking God. I'm thanking God for you guys and other people here of the faith and the miracle that happens here. And I'm talking about other cities, other churches in other cities and around the world. And they start to praise God because, wow, they needed this and they got more than enough. And it gives faith for others to do their own faith adventures. And so he who supplies seed to the sower, God supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. So you don't sow everything you get because you've got to have bread for food. So some of the seed he gives you is for eating. Bread for food means nourishment to supply for your needs. And some of it's for sowing. If you only eat everything that comes in, you have nothing for sowing. And this cycle is broken. Does that make sense? Don't eat everything you've got, don't sip everything. be generous. But don't sow everything either. I think that God wants us to learn to save as well. God to, to put money away and buy for the future and to invest and all these different things. All right. Um, look at this. I just want to read this. And bread for food, will, God will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And then it says, you will be enriched in everything. That word enriched is the, it's the word for wealth. You will be made wealthy in everything for all liberality. That means for all being benevolent. Benevolent, sorry. Being benevolent. I do know the word, but it just didn't come out right. It it, it empowers you to be wealthy in every way so that you can be generous and benevolent and loving. See, I can say it just in case you didn't believe me. You try doing this. Something just doesn't come out sometimes. (laughs) All right. Um, you're enriched in every way. And, and we, which through us is producing, producing, I said it wrong again, producing thanksgiving to God. Our generosity is producing thanksgiving to God and praise to God, touching the heart of God in our generosity. And so if you've got, um, if you got your Bibles, 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. And, and, and there is a story... Uh, Running out of time. Stop that time, Lord, and just give me time. Um, Elijah, Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, helped 
I mean, he kept walking past this lady who's a prominent woman, and she um, started giving him food. She would give him food to eat. And every time he walked past, she'd, she'd give him some food. And then eventually she said to her husband, you know, this man that keeps coming, and we, we feed him. I realize that he's a holy man of God. Why don't we build a, a, a bedroom for him? Why don't we give him a bread and breakfast, not just food. Let's, let's make, make him comfortable. That's found in... Um, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, if you want to look it up. Basically, she was generous to him, kept feeding him, kept feeding him, a man of God. And eventually she said, let's, let's build him a little room, a little space, and a bed for him to lie down. So he, every time he goes past, he would stop there and, and stay there. And so she, in her generosity, provided for her. One time, Elijah comes and lies down, and he's lying down. And he calls his, his servant and says, go call this woman, this Shumanite woman, bring her here. And he actually says, what can I do for you? Because... He goes, you've cared for us all this time. You've taken care of our needs. He goes, I want to reciprocate. I want to take care of you. He goes, what can I do for you? And he basically, cut a long story short, she says, or the people around her said that she hasn't had a son. Her husband's old. And so he says, okay, from this, this day, next year, this season, you'll have a son. She has a son. The son has a little boy. is out in the field in the sun and gets sunstroke and dies. He dies as a little boy. In her arms, by, by the way, because she was his head, her head was hurting. She, she holds him, cradles him, and he dies in her arms. Where does she put him? In the bed of her generosity. She lays him down on this room that she created out of her generosity and her husband's and laid her down on the bed of their generosity. If it wasn't for their generosity, this situation wouldn't have happened. She, in a sense, she closed the door, ran to find Elijah. Elijah comes back. I'm making it really short. Elijah comes back and raises her, the little boy from the dead. So your generosity sets you up for the next generation. It's setting up the next generation. It even raises the dead for the next generation. It's, it's our gener- if, I believe if she wasn't a generous woman, that would never have happened. She wouldn't have had the son in the first place. And then when she did have a son and the son, the son died, the Lord being her provider because of her generosity lays her down where she built for him and the Lord raised him up. Amen. And there's stories in, the, in Second, Second Chronicles chapter 31, if you want to look it up, verse 8 to 10, where basically they brought the tithes and offering, and there was so much uh, brought in for the three or four month period. It was a heap of, you know, harvest and food and everything that they started saying, what's all this? What's, how come there's so much? He goes, oh, this is what the people have brought. There's so much generosity. And there was so much, was so, there's plenty left over. Plenty. This is old covenant giving. Plenty left over more than enough that was needed and i want to read first first chronicles chapter 29 this is david having a heart to build a temple of god he had it on his heart to build something for god the house of god but god said to david you can't build it because you're a man of war you have blood on your hands but your son will build it so david still prepares all the things and prepares even the the pattern of it and writes it all down for his son and gives of so much gold so much silver that's in the billions of his personal wealth billions equivalent to our day and so this is his heart to just get a glimpse of david's heart i love this this is i want to pray this and read this in in closing so that we could have the same heart and same attitude and and it's it's a time to rejoice because as the lord does this miracle we want to rejoice and celebrate god's goodness and um it says so verse 10 so david blessed the lord in the sight of all the assembly and david said blessed are you O lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Blessed are you. So we start with blessing Him. Yours, I love this, yours, O Lord, is the greatness. 
And yours, O Lord, is the power. Yours, O Lord, is the glory. This is what he's actually saying. Yours, O Lord, is the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and everything that's in the earth is yours. Yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Isn't that a beautiful attitude that he realizes everything's yours, Lord? Whatever greatness, whatever victory, whatever thing we might receive, it's all from you. And it says, both riches and honor come from you. So even that itself is telling us, just having riches is, is really not good. If you, don't, if you have riches without honor, it's not good. You need riches and honor together, right? Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And your hand is, pow- is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make it great and to strengthen everyone. It's almost like, Lord, we're going to live this life of obedience and it's in your hands to make great. It's in your hands to strengthen us. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I, David says, and who are all my people, the people that are there, the children of Israel, that we should be able to offer so generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. See his attitude? He really, really believes, and I believe this too. Everything comes from the Lord. And whatever I give to the Lord in this offering, it came from Him anyway. It's just a beautiful attitude. It's a beautiful, humble attitude to have. That if we give, whether we give small or great, we don't think we're something. Because it all came from Him anyway. When I say small, someone's small offering could be the greater in the spiritual realm than someone that gave big. Okay, so please understand that. That woman with the two mites that gave everything she had to live on, Jesus says she gave way more than those that gave out of their abundance. So the amount, the amount isn't the issue. I think the, the issue is the heart of obedience. And obviously, does it cost us something? If you give out of your abundance, it doesn't even stretch your faith. It even, it's not even a sacrifice. I might give a million dollars, but if I've got a hundred million dollars coming in, what's that? God looks at the attitude. So if I got a hundred dollars and I happen to give fifty dollars, God said, wow, you've only got a hundred dollars to live on. You gave half of it to God. God looks at the heart. Does that make sense? And I think this is what David is trying to say. And he says, I love this. For we are sojourners. Sojourners is a foreigner. We're just guests here in this earth before you. And tenants. That's like, we're just lodgers. We're lodging through this earth as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. That means temporary. And there is no hope here on this earth. But we give for eternity's sake. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. Isn't that beautiful? Just the attitude that he sees it that way. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. You try the heart means you test the heart and you delight in uprightness. You love when we do this the right way and do it for you. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now, with joy, have seen your people who are present here make their offering willingly too. So we want that, willingly, not, not have to, okay? And then he says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. So he's praying and crying, oh God, this attitude that we have to put you first, let this be preserved in our, in our intentions. Let it never be lost that we put in your kingdom first. And then it says, and let our hearts be drawn to you. If we give for God, our hearts will be drawn to Him. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if God is who you treasure, your heart will be there and it draws you closer to Him. 
Does that make sense? Anyway, it, it's just beautiful. He, he, he just, he, he says, at the end, he says, David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord and the God of their fathers and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. They fell prostrate before God and worshipped, worshipped him in taking this offering. Because the offering is an act of worship. And at the end, this, this will be good for those that love food. Do you love food? I love food. He says, On the next day, they made sacrifices to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. 1,000 bulls, 1,000 rams, 1,000 lambs with their drink offering and sacrifice in abundance for all of Israel. So they ate and drank the day bef- uh, before the Lord with great gladness. They had a big feast, by the way. They didn't just kill those animals. They ate those animals. They sacrificed to the Lord, but they ate them. For all of Israel had a big feast. Because the celebration, maybe we need to do that. Do a big barbecue of meat or something. Just celebrate. Woo-hoo. Anyways, we bless you. And we really, really say thank you from the bottom of our heart for your, the generosity of us as a church. You guys are, are, are phenomenal. And I'm telling you now, if I can say this in humility, the faith of your giving will, will be told throughout the whole earth. It said that of Romans, the book of Romans, it says that your faith is known everywhere because of their response. So you have responded tremendously, and I know you will continue to respond tremendously. So, Father, I thank you as one of the pastors here, Lord, for your people. You know, they've just been so generous to give to your kingdom, to your purpose. And Lord, we know we're going to impact this city for your glory. We pray for the Holy Spirit to fall and to touch us even after we give, that your presence will come and you'll bless us in so many different ways. You'll make us wealthy in so many ways so that we continually be a blessing to this world around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com From our house to yours, be blessed.